When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, and welcome to the Saturday, October 21st, 2023 Penn State Nittany Lions edition of the Land Grant Tailgate Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Tamanini. For the fifth straight year, every Ohio State football game day this season, I will be kicking off your morning with all of the details that you need to be prepared for that day's contest, whether you are watching from your couch, at a sports bar, or if you are cheering on the Buckeyes from inside the stadium. Today at 12 noon Eastern time, inside the Cathedral of College Football, on the banks of the Olentangy, the number three Ohio State Buckeyes coached by Ryan Day will take on the number seven Penn State Nittany Lions under the direction of James Franklin from inside Ohio Stadium. As this is a game between two unbeaten conference foes, the matchup will be Fox's big noon game of the week, meaning that on the call will be Gus Johnson, Joel Klatt will provide color commentary, and on the sideline will be the All-American woman Jenny Taft. Fox's big noon kickoff will also be on hand, meaning that Rob Stone, Mark Ingram, Matt Leinert, Columbus native Brady Quinn, and former Ohio State coach Urban Meyer will be setting up shop outside the southeast corner of the stadium in front of RPAC for the pregame show kicking off at 10 a.m. Eastern. Not to be outdone, ESPN's College Game Day will also be on hand with the blue-eyed Buckeye Kirk Herbstreet, Reese Davis, Lee Corso, Pat McAfee, and he who will not be named set up on the South Lawn outside of St. John Arena. The show will begin on ESPN at 9 a.m. Game Day also announced that the frontrunner for the NFL's Rookie of the Year award, C.J. Stroud, will be the guest picker. It's nice of them to actually find somebody with a legitimate connection to Ohio State to handle the responsibilities this time around. As always, the game can be heard on 97.1 FM and 1460 AM in Central Ohio and on dozens of affiliates around the state. Where the best in the business, the voice of the Buckeyes, Paul Keels, will be on the call, along with Ohio State and NFL legend Jim Lachey supplying color commentary and Matt Andrews on the sideline reporting. As of recording time, the forecast calls for 54 degrees under mostly cloudy skies at kickoff in the shoe. Temperatures are expected to rise a bit into the upper 50s throughout the game. There is between a 20 and 25% chance of precipitation during the duration, and winds will be around 10-ish miles per hour coming out of the west. If you are heading to the game today, maybe jot down this information. The Horseshoe's Wi-Fi password for non-students, faculty, and staff is OSU Fan Wi-Fi. That is lowercase OSU, capital F, lowercase A-N, capital W, lowercase I-Fi. As always, Ohio Stadium gates will open two hours prior to kick, so at 10 this morning. The doors to St. John Arena will open four hours before kickoff, or at 8 a.m., if you would like to make your way inside that hallowed barn to get the best seats possible for the skull session, which will get underway at 9.40. Starting at 9 a.m., FanFest will open on the South Lawn outside of St. John Arena. The Pride of the Buckeyes, the Ohio State University Marching Band, will enter St. John Arena with their always electric and, in my case, tear-inducing ramp entrance at 11.30 a.m., and will follow that up with a pregame script Ohio as well. 
At halftime, get ready to put on some cashmere and get dazed and confused as you climb the stairway to heaven because the best damn band in the land will play the music of Led Zeppelin at halftime. What are the odds that they somehow make a blimp exploding during the halftime show? What are you giving me? I'm willing to take some odds here. <laughs> Coming into the matchup, the Buckeyes are ranked third in both the AP and coaches polls. They are receiving a single number one vote in both. Penn State is number seven in the media poll and number six in the coaches. The two teams are tied atop the Big Ten East alongside Michigan, as all three are two losses clear of fourth place Maryland. Over in the West, Iowa is on top at 3-1, with Wisconsin close behind at 2-1. No other team in that division is even at 500 in the conference. Now let's take a look at the betting lines for the game. When DraftKings Sportsbook released its initial odds for the matchup, OSU was favored by 4.5 points, but that line went down to 3 and some other books had it as low as 2.5. But as of recording time, DraftKings is now above where it started at minus 5 in favor of the Buckeyes. Late action in a game like this often means that the professional gamblers, the sharps if you will, know something that everybody else doesn't know. So take that for what it's worth, but the late action being on the Buckeyes is generally a good thing for Ohio State fans. The total points line currently sits at 45 and a half, which means that the odd makers are projecting a score in the neighborhood of 25 to 20 in favor of OSU. The Buckeyes money line is negative 205, while Penn State is at plus 170, meaning that if you bet $100 on the Nits to win straight up and they do pull it out, you would profit $170. However, if you want to win $100 by picking the Buckeyes, you have to bet $205. DraftKings has Kyle McCord's passing total at 234.5 yards and Penn State quarterback Drew Aller at 184.5 and both have a total TD line at 1.5. DraftKings also has some pretty fun props, including who will score the first touchdown of the game. Marvin Harrison Jr. is leading the way at plus 450. At or before 10 a.m. today, we will get the official injury reports from both teams as mandated by the Big Ten Conference. There are a number of significant Buckeyes whose status is still up in the air as of recording time. Number one running back Trevion Henderson has been out the last two weeks. Number two back Chip Trainum appeared to suffer a concussion last week against Purdue. And third string running back Mayan Williams didn't even make the trip to West Lafayette a week ago. Now, all three were seen in pads coming off of the practice field on Wednesday, so barring any further complications since then, I would imagine that they will all be available this afternoon or at least game time decisions. The same is not expected for wide receiver Emeka Ibuka and cornerback Denzel Burke. Ibuka was seen at practice but appeared to still be suffering from what Marvin Harrison Jr. confirmed to be a fairly severe ankle sprain. Denzel Burke was not spotted on Wednesday, which doesn't necessarily mean that he wasn't practicing, but that is not a good sign. If Ibuka isn't able to go, I'd imagine that Xavier Johnson and Carnell Tate will see increased action and perhaps we get more of Marv in the slot. Cade Stover was likely already going to factor heavily into the offensive game plan as they had a pretty good game against the Nits last year, going for 78 yards and one touchdown. But he will likely be even more of a focus if Abuka is not able to go. 
If Burr is out, that probably means that Davison Agbignosin and Jordan Hancock are going to be the two primary corners, with true freshman Jermaine Matthews potentially in the mix as well. But what will be most interesting for me if this situation does play out is what it means for the nickel position. I already would have assumed that Sonny Styles would play the majority of the snaps at nickel because Penn State does run the ball quite a bit and uses its tight end Theo Johnson a decent amount. Styles' presence at the nickel safety position will likely only increase if the traditional nickel corner, Hancock, is pressed into duty at one of the more traditional corner positions. Now, coming into the game, Penn State holds a perfect 6-0 record. They are beating teams by an average score of 44.3 to 8. Pretty impressive. However, their schedule thus far has not exactly been exceedingly challenging. After opening the season with a 38-15 win over West Virginia, they have ripped off wins against FCS Delaware, Illinois, Iowa, Northwestern, and UMass. Not exactly a murderer's row. The game against Iowa is theoretically their most challenging game thus far, but they use four Hawkeye turnovers in the rain to win 31 to nothing. Now, they get all the credit in the world for actually winning the game by that margin, but in my opinion, that one actually looks better on paper than it does in reality. So what do we know about this Penn State team? Over on LandGrantHolyLand.com, I wrote an article about five stats that might give us some useful insight into the Penn State squad. The first is that Penn State has only allowed a single passing touchdown all season. Then you can couple that with the fact that the Knits defense has seven interceptions. Their pass defense is allowing only an FBS best 4.6 yards per passing attempt. Conversely, the Buckeyes offense is tied for ninth nationally with more than double PSU's total at 9.6 yards per attempt through the year. Who comes out ahead in this strength versus strength aspect of the matchup? could go a long way to determining the winner. The next stat was that Penn State ranks 129th in the country out of 133 FBS teams in offensive plays of 20 or more yards. Now, there are a lot of analysts who believe that Franklin's team has been sandbagging against a weak schedule thus far, and that Aller and company will look to hit far more big plays today than they have thus far in the season. And while I do expect that to be part of the game plan today, not giving your first-time starting quarterback opportunities to build up to that during the first six games of the season and then expecting him to do it against what is going to be the best defense that they have faced thus far this season and perhaps all season when everything is said and done is a risk if that is the way that Franklin is playing out this game. Will it happen? We will certainly see here in a few hours. Next, the Nittany Lions lead the country in turnover margin at plus 1.83. Penn State has taken the ball away 13 times, 7 interceptions and 6 fumbles recovered. That total by itself is good for 15th in the FBS. However, when combined with the fact that the team has only given the ball away twice, both fumbles, that puts them in a tie with Oklahoma for the best turnover margin in the country. And yes, since they've only fumbled the ball twice, that means that Drew Aller has yet to throw a pick this season, or in fact in his entire collegiate career. We know what JT Tuimaloau did against Penn State last year, and this secondary has started to become a little bit more ball hawks in recent weeks, so we will see what happens there. The fourth stat that I highlighted in the article was that Penn State is fourth nationally in limiting opponents on third down. They are allowing opponents to convert on only 26.51% of their third down attempts, although they have been less successful on fourth down, allowing teams to pick up 45.45% on those downs, which amounts to 56th best in the country. 
Third down conversions on both sides of the ball have been a point of emphasis for the Buckeyes as the season has progressed, so that will certainly be tested on offense today. And finally, the Knits are third nationally, averaging four and a half sacks per game. OSU has only allowed 10 sacks in six games so far this season, which puts them in the top third nationally, but not exactly anything to write home about, and they have not yet faced a defense anywhere near what they will see today in the horseshoe. Last week against Purdue, Kyle McCord did seem to be throwing off his back foot far more than he has at any other point in his career thus far. And while he was fairly effective against the Boilermakers in doing so, he is unlikely to be anywhere near as productive that way against a defense as dynamic as Penn State's today. Of course, the offensive line and play calling will play a huge factor in this respect this afternoon. The O-line is obviously the weakest unit for the Buckeyes, but they have been relatively steady in pass protection, and McCord seems to be far more comfortable in the intermediate range, getting rid of the ball quickly and in rhythm, and perhaps even throwing the ball to running backs today if Travion Henderson is healthy. So if the defensive front can hold up and Day can find a way to get the ball out of Kyle's hands quickly, that would obviously help to negate the pass rush advantage that Penn State seemingly has coming into the game. While Penn State claims that it does not really have any rivals, this matchup has certainly become a rivalry since Penn State joined the Big Ten. Overall, OSU is 23-14 against the Nittany Lions, and the two Blue Bloods have played every year since the Nits joined the conference in 1993. Since becoming conference opponents, the Buckeyes are 21-8 against Penn State, and they have won the last six meetings. The last time that OSU lost to the Lions at home, other than the Luke Fickle interim year in 2011, was in 2008. The time before that was 1978. During OSU's current six-game winning streak, they are outscoring PSU 34.8 to 26.8. Okay, after a quick break, we will continue today's episode by diving into the game's advanced analytics, the rest of the day's marquee college football matchups, and my predictions for what will happen in this afternoon's game. Welcome back. Okay, let's take a look at the advanced analytics for today's matchup. According to the gold standard college football analytics rating system, SP Plus from ESPN's Bill Connolly, the Buckeyes are the number two team in the country. OSU currently sits as the number 10 offense nationally and the number four defense. Penn State is number eight, according to SP Plus, with the number 24 offense and number two ranked defense. Somehow, OSU has the number 17 special teams unit in the country, which boggles my mind while Penn State is ranked 101st. Maybe that is where some separation will happen between the two teams today. Connolly's model projects Ohio State to win by a score of 27 to 22, which would be a push according to the betting line as of recording time, and it would be an over if you are using SP Plus for betting purposes. Connolly's model gives OSU a 63% win probability. ESPN's Football Power Index, a completely different analytic system from the worldwide leader than Connolly's SP+, has OSU as the number one team in the country and gives the Buckeyes a 19.6% chance to win the national title. That is second nationally, only to number two Oklahoma, who has a 21.3% chance to win it all. 
Penn State is number three with a 9.4% shot at the title, and Michigan is fourth with an 8.3% chance. The Big Ten East is looking increasingly impressive nationally as a lot of teams around the country are floundering. Now, it is not all good news from an analytics perspective. Friends of the show, the college football nerds, put this game into their model, and the computer spit out a score of 27.8 to 13.1 as of recording time in favor of the Nittany Lions. Earlier in the week, it had been at 26.9 to 17.4, so there's been a decent amount of movement since then, presumably due to injury speculation factored into the equation. It is interesting, though, that the college football nerds project the OSU defense to effectively shut down Penn State and for the Buckeyes passing attack to be essentially unbothered by the Nittany Lion defense. So I'm not exactly sure where the 14 and a half point difference comes in, but in their breakdown video, both Josh and Daniel took Penn State in a one score game. And Josh said that even though OSU very likely will outplay Penn State on a per play basis, he just doesn't trust their ability to capitalize. He cites a fairly inefficient OSU offense, especially in the running game, as why he is siding with Penn State. We will have to wait and see if that turns out to be the case. Okay, finally, the most fun predictions model that we look at every week, the NCAA Game Simulator spits out an average score of 25.1 points for the Buckeyes to 14.7 for the Nits, thanks to 5,248 simulations as of recording time. The simulator shows 21.1% of the simulated games were decided by less than 5 points, and 3.4% went to overtime. The simulator had OSU winning 76.3% of the games and winning by more than 20 points in 26.2% of the sims. Conversely, they have the Nits winning by more than 20 points in just 2% of the over 5,200 simulations. I like those results better than the college football nerds. Now, before I get into my prediction for the game, I want to run through the rest of the game's major matchups. Of course, all times are Columbus time. It is a fairly thin week, so you can probably get away with just one screen at a time if you have to. And if you do have to go to one of those dreaded fall weddings, you shouldn't miss too much if you have to watch all the action from your phone. There aren't any other quality games opposite Ohio State Penn State in the noon window, so let's turn our attention to 3.30 on CBS, where the number 17 Tennessee Volunteers will head to Tuscaloosa to visit number 11 Alabama. Then at 7.30 on ABC, number 16 Duke will look to ruin number 4 Florida State's undefeated season in Tallahassee. And finally at 8 p.m., number 14 Utah will look to hand number 18 USC a second straight loss on Fox. Okay, back to the Buckeyes. There is no doubt that Penn State will present a challenge that this year's version of the Buckeyes have not come anywhere close to seeing through the first half of the season. They have a legit defense and an offense that hasn't yet shown an ability to hit big plays, but is capable of grinding out long backbreaking drives. But is it wrong that I just don't trust them? We've seen this script from Penn State before, right? They get out to a hot start against suboptimal competition. Everyone starts to wonder if this is finally the year that James Franklin and his team break through and win the Big Ten and go to the college football playoff, only for them to crumble when the lights get brightest. Now, I know that OSU's first half schedule hasn't been lined with world beaters, but they did beat a really good Notre Dame team on the road and a more than competent Maryland squad as well. Penn State has only beaten an Iowa team currently ranked 115th out of 133 FBS schools in scoring offense. And they took advantage of four turnovers to do so. In fact, Penn State's five FBS opponents are currently averaging less than 23 points per game. That would get Brian Ferentz fired on itself. 
Cumulatively, that would put them at the 102nd ranked scoring unit in college football. Now, having had to play Penn State obviously hurts their overall averages, but it's not like any of those teams have been putting up a bunch of points in their other games either. So does that mean that Penn State is fraudulent? No, of course not. But it does call into question just how good that defense is. Are they top two or three elite and capable of shutting down everything that Ohio State does? Or are they just pretty good and could have difficulty handling elite playmakers like Ohio State has? So forgive me, Nittany Lion fans, for feeling like I'm going to need Penn State to prove it to me before I take them seriously as Big Ten and college football playoff contenders. Even if Denzel Burke is in fact out of the game, and if the Nits have been playing possum offensively all season, they are still just 79th in passing offense coming into the game, and I have full confidence in the OSU secondary to shut that down. The biggest weakness on the PSU squad is arguably their interior offensive line, which will be going up against arguably the most dominant aspect of OSU's defense. Penn State has only allowed four sacks this season, but with Mike Hall and Tyleek Williams up the middle, and of course, we know what JT Tuimaloa did last year, that number should absolutely go up today. Getting to the quarterback has not been a strong suit for the Buckeyes this season, but in a marquee matchup like this, I would not be surprised if the Rushmen step up their game today. As I mentioned earlier, Drew Allert does not throw the ball deep, and Penn State has only four rushes of 20 or more yards this year, so they are not a big play offense. And while I am sure that they will be able to string together a handful of long drives and probably get into the end zone on them, I would take Ohio State's defense to just as often shut them down and keep them on their side of the 50-yard line. So while I do believe that Penn State will put up points today, I'm just not sure that they have the offensive firepower to do enough against the Buckeye defense to win this game. On the other side of the ball, Penn State does statistically have the best passing defense in the country. But again, look at their opponents. From a talent and otherwise production standpoint, their secondary is not as good as it was last year with Joey Porter Jr. out there. And the Buckeyes put up 354 passing yards last year, including 185 from Marvin Harrison Jr. While the Nits might be able to give him some extra attention if Emeka Egbuka is in fact out, or even just not on 100%, I think there are plenty of weapons for the Buckeyes to move the ball and score points, whether that is with Cade Stover, Pennsylvania native Julian Fleming, true freshman Carnell Tate, or even Trevion Henderson out of the backfield, which I think is something that the Buckeyes have not done nearly enough this season, and that they have been keeping him out the last two games to get him 100% healthy for this one, that might be a way to negate the pass rush and to pull something off that the defense hasn't seen on film much this year. So, I'm going to predict that Kyle McCord throws for 275 yards and three scores, and that the Buckeyes win 31-17 and answer a lot of questions about what this team and program are made of. I've gone back and forth on that score quite a bit, but the vibes are just good for me, and I expect that Ryan Day and his staff will make the team very aware that nearly every talking head in the college football world is picking against them at home. And we know how much this team likes being backed into a corner and thought of as underdogs. Seemingly every time that has happened, aside from the Spygate Michigan teams, they've come out swinging. And we know how much they loved Ryan Day going after Lou Holtz. So if he turns that same vim and vigor against the college football intelligentsia today, it could have pretty interesting results. 
All right, that's all that we have for today. As always, Land Grant will have you covered before, during, and after the game. I will be mashing buttons on Twitter during the contest, so please follow and share your thoughts at LandGrant33, your home for all of Land Grant's Ohio State news, analysis, and sarcasm. You can also follow me personally at BWWMatt. If you are not already, please subscribe to Land Grant's One of a Kind Podcast Network, where we are turning out one two, three podcasts every single day to bring you all of the news, analysis, and discussions that you need to be the most informed OSU fan possible. So with all of that out of the way, thanks for listening. We will talk to you soon. And as always, go Bucks.